What's up, everybody? Greetings and salutations. ESK, August 4th, Punch Drunk Prediction Time here on Keyboard Kimura, presented to you by OneVote for UFC Nashville, which takes place tomorrow evening at Bridgestone Arena in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Before we get to this weekend's picks, we look back to last weekend's picks for UFC 292 in Salt Lake City, and we had ourselves a good night. We went 10-1 and with our picks. The only one that we got wrong was Kevin Holland, and I'm fine with that. I know there would be some people that are kicking themselves for picking a dog, picking Michael Chiesa, and that being the lone mistake on their night, but I'm fine with it because at the end of the day, it's about putting up good numbers. It's about getting that overall number higher, that winning percentage higher, and going 10 and 1 is terrific. 11 and 1 would be better, absolutely sure, of course. But 10 and 1 is pretty damn good. And for the year here at Keyboard Kimura, since returning, we are 75, 47, and 0 with two no contests for a 0.605 winning percentage. Happy to be above that 600 winning percentage. That's closer to where I would like to be. I would like to be at the end of the year at 700 winning percentage. I don't know if we'll be able to get there, but if we keep putting up 10 win weeks, certainly we could. Year to date overall between Kimura and Severe MMA with a couple of missed events in there for weekends off and, and things of that nature. We are 156, 112, and three with those two no contests for a 571 winning percentage. It's it's getting better. That's the only way I can look at this, right? I could sit here and I could lament. Like I said, I could lament the Kevin Holland loss. I could lament the one wrong, but that would be overlooking the 10 right. And so we're not going to go 10, 10 and one every week. We're not going to get that good of a result every single week. I would like to, I try to, that is the aim of course, but it's probably not going to happen every single week, but we're moving in the right direction. And that's the thing I'm trying to take from all of this. I'm trying to maintain a positive outlook on things and continue to put a positive spin on things as we go forward. And that brings us to UFC Nashville. This weekend, a 12 fight slate. We start with the main event, Corey Sanhagen versus Rob Font. And my pick is Corey Sanhagen. I don't come to this pick easily. I don't come to this pick lightly. I think Rob Font is an outstanding talent. I just believe that Corey Sanhagen has a few more avenues to victory here. I think if we're going to get a sudden sort of dynamic finish, it's going to come from Corey Sanhagen through a flying knee, a spinning hook kick, something of that nature. If we are going to see wrestling, see grappling, that's a path to victory to me for Corey Sanhagen. Rob Font can win this fight. He has knockout power. And if it, it translates over, from that fight with Adrian Yanez, where we saw him for the first time in a couple of fights, be able to pull out that knockout power and that finishing power, he could certainly win this fight. But in a shot-for-shot, 25-minute shot, fight, five-round fight, I think Corey Sanhagen has the more diverse arsenal of weapons. And that, to me, at the end of the day, is the thing that rules a lot of these fights. I think Corey Sanhagen has made it point since the fight's with TJ Dillashaw, excuse me, and Piotr Jan to round out that side of his game, to add to that piece of his game, to bring in more dynamism, to bring in more variety. I think we've seen that in the last couple of victories, and I think it can, will continue to be the thing that leads him to victory both this weekend and going forward. 
These are two of the top 10 bantamweights in the division. They might be two of the top five. They're that good. This is a terrific fight. And as I said yesterday, it really bothers me that this fight and this fight card as a whole is being overshadowed by a bunch of the other stuff that's happening in the combat sports space this weekend, because this is a terrific fight. These are the kinds of fights that we should be celebrating, that we should be talking about more than we are talking about celebrity and influencer boxing involving former UFC fighters. Move to the co-main event, Jessica Andrade against Tatiana Suarez. My pick here is Suarez. If she is right, if she is all the way back to being the fighter that she was prior to the extended, extended layoff, I think she dominates this fight. If she is a lesser version of that, if she is similar to what we saw against Montana De La Rosa, I think she can still win, but the fight becomes closer to me. A lot of this comes down to Jessica Andrade's decision-making. I spoke to Jess on Wednesday. She talked about the last two fights, the Aaron Blanchfield fight, the Yan Nan fight, where she dropped both of those contests. In the Blanchfield fight, she pointed to a wardrobe malfunction in the first round that sort of got in her head and got her out of the approach that she needed to be in to face someone like at Blanchfield. And against Yan Nan, she talked about deviating from the game plan, which was to in theory, take her into deep water, grapple a little bit, and then get her out of there later in the fight. I believe her. I believe those are the things that happened. I believe that those are the, the pieces that were there. But I also think that Aaron Blanchfield was just a better fighter that night and that Yan Zhao Nan has dialed some stuff up and has sharpened elements of her game to where Andrade is a little bit predictable. She's a little bit someone you can really game plan for and forecast for and know what she's going to bring to the table. And I think Tatiana Suarez is going to be able to exploit that. I think we're going to see Jessica Andrade come forward with those big combo hooks that we often see. And Suarez will just shoot underneath and put her on the canvas. And from there, Jessica Andrade hasn't shown a very good ability to work back to her feet to avoid getting submitted. I think Tatiana Suarez gets the win continues moving forward, moves to 10 and 0, and maybe even calls for the winner of Zhang Weili versus Amanda Lemos, which takes place in a couple of weeks' time. Light heavyweight division, Dustin Jacoby and Kennedy and Zechiku. My pick is in Zechiku. It is a very difficult fight. It is a tough fight. I'm looking forward to this contest because I think Jacoby is a very good yardstick here for the Fortis MMA representative. But I pick in Zechiku simply because he is the guy for me that has the greater upside still. Jacoby is a known commodity. He is an understood product, right? Guy that's going to give you clean, technical striking, good kickboxer, good cardio, hangs out in that lower third of the top 15, and that's where he lives. That's where he thrives. That is a good living if you can get it. It's a good deal. He's done well since returning to the UFC. But I think Nzechiku is somebody that still has the ability to move forward beyond that. And I think we see it on Saturday. Jacoby's a difficult guy to get out of there. I think Kennedy has ways that he can finish. I think he gets a fourth straight victory. Not sure if it's a fourth straight stoppage. But I think it's another win for the Fort Fortis MMA man and Dana White Contender Series graduate who then becomes someone that we have to take a closer look at at 205 going forward. 
Move to featherweight, Diego Lopez and Gavin Tucker. My pick is Lopez. Part of this is simply that Gavin Tucker is 37 years old and coming off an extended layoff. He hasn't fought since losing to Danny Gay by knockout in very short time, several years ago. Combine that with the fact that Lopez looked very good against Mavsari Vloyev on short notice and is just a dynamic, dangerous fighter, a guy that goes in there and is constantly threatening. We saw in that fight with Ivloyev, if you put him on the ground, you've got to deal with him getting his feet on your hips and looking for submissions or looking for ways up the whole time or throwing elbows off his back. He is a guy that doesn't give you moments to rest, even when he is in traditionally defensive positions. And I think against someone like Tucker that likes to be offensive, there will be openings and opportunities for Diego Lopez to have success both on the feet and on the ground if it gets there, and for the Brazilian to get his first UFC victory. Back to light heavyweight Tanner Boser versus Alexa Kamer. My pick here is Tanner Boser. I am not, I was going to say I'm not confident in this pick simply because I don't fully trust Tanner Boser, but I was never impressed with Alexa Kamer in the UFC. I, was, I wasn't particularly impressed with him on the contender series when he defeated Fabio Charant to get his contract. He is a guy to me that is a good athlete, but doesn't have any of the refinement, doesn't have any of the polish to his game. And so we've seen in his performances in the UFC that that's been part of the struggle for him. He's also returning off an extended layoff where he was dealing with some hand issues that he's talked about. And I just think against a guy like Boser, who for all of his struggles is super experienced, has been in there pretty regularly since landing in the UFC, he's going to be able to go out there, push a pace on Alexa Kamer, get after him, be the aggressor, and come away with a victory for his first win at 205. Final fight of the main card, Ignacio Bahamundes and Ludovic Klein in the lightweight division. My pick is Bahamundes. I like this kid. I think he is someone that we need to keep tabs on going forward right now. He's got a lot of elements to him that are intriguing to me. The length, the size, the reach, the diversity of his attacks. I like that he trains with a good crew in Chicago, Mike Valley and them. Yair Rodriguez, Bilal Muhammad popping in, things like that. Klein is someone that I was impressed in his debut, but the further away we get from his UFC debut, the more it looks like that fight was him taking advantage of a short notice opportunity and missing weight. It's been okay, but not great since then. And I think Bahamundes, I'm hopeful to see him. And I talked about this on Wednesday with one question. I'm hopeful to see some further improvements, some further advancements from Bahamundes after being through a couple of camps with Yair Rodriguez, another camp with Bilal Muhammad. Take that game to the next level. Get the biggest win to date of his UFC career and keep it moving forward. Down to the prelims, featherweight division, Billy Quarantillo and Damon Jackson. My pick here is Jackson. Going with the upset, going with the underdog. I think this is a situation for me where if this stays standing, Billy Q is probably going to get the win. If this is fought exclusively on the feet, Billy Q is probably going to get the win. He is the better overall, more polished striker of the two. That being said, Damon Jackson can crack a little, right? We saw him put Pat Sabatini out 
with a big overhand right. So Damon Jackson has got some hands. Additionally, Damon Jackson is a very good grappler. And I just think that in a fight like this, where you know what Billy Q is going to do, I wouldn't be surprised to see Damon Jackson come out and decide to wrestle, decide to make this a grappling match. That could, in theory, turn it into not the exciting back-and-forth fight-of-the-night contender that we expect, but I think it's the wiser road to victory and the safer road to victory for Damon Jackson, who's looking to avoid, just as Quarantillo, a second straight loss, get himself back in the win column, solidify himself as that veteran presence in the second 15 to face these up-and-coming fighters, to, to get into sort of a steady rhythm going forward. So give me the underdog. Give me Damon Jackson. Fortis goes 2-0 and on the night, according to me. Bantamweight division, Kyler Phillips and Haoni Barcelos. My pick is Kyler Phillips. I still believe in the upside. Even though he is coming off a one-year layoff since the fight, more than much more than one year, actually, since the fight with Marcelo Royo, he looked too good in that fight for me to doubt him here. Now, that could go sideways. Kyler Phillips has been inconsistent. The gas tank hasn't always been there, but I think he has enough weapons, enough diversity, and a significant enough edge in terms of just being the younger fighter to go out here and beat Haoni Barcelos, who is coming in off a knockout loss to Umar Nurmagomedov and lost last year to Victor Henry. I think this can be a combination of that Henry loss and a bit more grappling from Kyler Phillips. Barcelos is very good well-rounded, experienced, been in there with good competition. But I'm hopeful that Kyler Phillips has found something and found that that range, that level to start taking this forward in the division and make a move towards the top 15. Welterweight division, Jeremiah Wells and Carlston Harris. My pick here is Wells. I think he is criminally underrated. Quite frankly, I think he is a guy that should be getting an opportunity to face a top 15 opponent because he's 4-0 in the UFC. He's won six straight overall. He's 12-2-1 for his career. Sorry, 12-3-1, I believe, for his career. And just a guy that has looked really good. As much as the last fight out against Matt Semmelsberger wasn't the big finish that he had been putting forward, we've seen throughout now that Semi is a tough, tough guy to deal with. And so to still come away with the victory is the positive. And I think against Carlston Harris, who has done well beating up lesser opponents and losing to Shavkat Rakhmanov. I think we see Wells illustrate that he is on a different tier than Carlston Harris on Saturday. Show that he is closer to that Shavkat group than the group that Harris has beaten. Move to flyweight for the first of two at flyweight. Cody Durden versus Jake Hadley. My pick is Hadley. I like this kid. I think he is going to be a top 15 fixture very soon and for a very long time. I think it was really important for him to lose that debut to Alan Nascimento because it forced an ultra-confident, borderline cocky kid to realize that he's not indestructible and to realize that he's got to do things the right way all the time and that he's not going to be able to just go out there and overpower people both with with his actual physicality and skill, 
but also just with his personality. I was talking to Harry about Jake Hadley on Wednesday. And one of the things he said was that in cage warriors, he kind of just like subsumed people, right? Got in there and they were like, Jesus, this guy and his pressure and his presence was enough to sort of start breaking them. That's not happening in the UFC. Even the guys that he's beaten in these last two fights, Carlos Candelario and Malcolm Gordon didn't come in there thinking, oh my God, I can't hang with this kid. So he's had to realize that it's skill and technique and execution that are going to win him fights. He has done that in the last two. I think he does it again on Saturday. Featherweight division again, Sean Woodson, Dennis Bazookia. My pick is Sean Woodson. I'm not certain about this one. I was actually leaning Bazookia before I checked the weigh-in results, saw that he missed weight. That It's only half a pound, but the thing for me is when you're short notice, you're missing weight, you're going through. To me, the half pound is he went through a real weight cut. He pushed himself to try to make it. So when you take that, add it to short notice, add it that Sean Woodson has been in camp this whole time preparing, sure for different people, but then also presents a bunch of dynamic challenges in terms of his size, his length, his reach, all of those things. I've got to go with the guy that has won fights in the UFC already over the UFC newcomer, but I think it could be competitive. I think this could look similar to Woodson's fight with Luis Saldana last time out, which I know wasn't a particularly entertaining fight. And I'm sorry if that is how it plays out, but I have to side with Woodson here. Get to the opener, back to the featherweight divi- flyweight division, excuse me. As I said earlier, Oday Osborne versus Asu Almabayev. My pick is Osborne. I'm going with the UFC veteran. I'm leaning on my learn from my mistakes here. So I picked Hussein Ashkabov to defeat to defeat Jamal Emmers when they fought. I picked Anna Petrovich to defeat Luana Carolina when they fought. And both of those, I was dramatically wrong. And so rather than side with the 17-2 and two fighter who's coming in on a shiny winning streak in Almabayev, I'm going to go with Ode Osborne, the guy that knows what it's like to be in the UFC, the guy that has had his hand raised inside the octagon before. Could go horribly awry. Ode Osborne is an inconsistent hit-or-miss fighter. But I'm siding with the guy that's been there. It's a thing I'm trying to do a little more of. We'll see how that works out for me. We went 10-1 and one last week. We've got 12 fights this week. 10 and 2 would be great. 9 and 3 would be wonderful. Let's see how we do. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy the fights. I hope you enjoyed the program. Hope you have had a good week. Enjoy your weekend. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Back in a few minutes with the betting show. If you're not tuning in for that, enjoy the fights as I said. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk soon. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free.